Okay, Trevor, need you to uh, pretend like you did not see that we're recording and then I'll interrupt you. So I was watching the Cubs game earlier and uh, Jake Arrieta was pitching and who some Jake Arrieta. He's a really old pitcher that is past it. How old are we talking? I think he's like 34, 35. Am I wrong to think that you can pitch in the major leagues well into your late 50s? (laughs) (laughs) you are wrong but it is Uh, definitely possible for pitchers especially like back in the day to pitch like into their 40s like i think ryan was like 46 when he retired okay something like that so hope for me yet that's right i don't know i I, i'm fascinated about how long athletes will be able to continue playing like as as like how a sports medicine improves um i mean like I think about LeBron James often, like he could very clearly play into like his like early to mid, he could probably play till 45 and be fine, but you know, still be at least league average. Yeah, totally. Like Vince Carter played till he was 40, um, yeah. 41. And you know, he was like a subset. He was a, he was a man off the bench and was having fun with the Atlanta Hawks. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with LeBron James being a bench player for the Utah Jazz in five years from now? Who, who well, knows? You've got King Kazu too, so. You're right. Exactly. Like he's in his uh, fourth decade, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like 58, isn't he? No, he's early 50s, but. Yeah. Okay, he's still ancient. And still yeah. running five miles every game. Something like that. So good for anyway, him. Anyway, welcome to episode 43 of Off the Crossbar. With our uh, nice dynamic intro, as usual. The first one was I, I accidentally recorded my mic like right as we started recording, so that was bad. But we're back. Yeah, we're back. A dinosaur story. And We've we're made committed. that joke before. We have, yeah. I'm sure we have. Wow. But we're also committed to um, the weekly episodes. Yeah, this has been uh, been really. Just quite lovely. I know. I like it. Trevor, are Kyle's you a fan? Still just trying to figure out his microphone here. Sorry. I <laughs> thought I, I, my spikes on the thing were pretty high. Yeah, it's, a, it's looking okay on my end. I think you're good. You're okay, fine. cool. Our, our uh, producer can fix it in post. Don't worry about That's it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can fix in post. So, well, I think yeah. we'll be okay. Well, maybe we don't need a producer then. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we probably need something Speaking to keep us on track. Speaking of things you but. can fix in post, uh, Carly's dad's ex-wife, like one of his ex-wives, one like when they went on their honeymoon, um, they went to Mexico and like, and they were, I think they were at like a resort in Mexico somewhere, and like the resort had like a photographer that would like take pictures of you, and you could like buy the the photos from the photographer or whatever, and. She asked me if I could like make her skinnier in a lot of the photos <laughs> that were taken. <laughs> so I did that at one point. <laughs> so that's something I fixed in post. Did you just tell her yes and then not do anything? I no, I didn't. That's how do I, that. handled it. I didn't. I don't know if that's the rude thing to do, but I would have just been like, "Yeah, just I did what I could. Here you go. Sorry, I was very. Like yeah, I didn't." <laughs> 
I didn't love doing that. I, I've had, <laughs> I've only out of all my times, like taking photos of people and like couples and like engagements and weddings, or whatever. I've only had one time where somebody was like, can you make me skinnier and like, 800 of these photos i'm like no <laughs> like i'm not gonna do that yeah that's a ton of work yeah they weren't paying me for that so you know i mean just just change you know don't change or yeah change the aspect ratio just squeeze, you know, it in a, little squeeze bit. a little yeah everyone will look a little skinnier and uh Everyone's going to look like Slender Man, but it's fine. Just go into like MS Paint or whatever and just stretch it so it's taller. <laughs> that's that's exactly <laughs> what I would do. Yeah. So, yeah, that was weird. But my guys, it's Sushlauer. How are how are we doing? Tre okay. Well, first of all, Trevor, you uh -oh. missed out on Matthew and I playing a little uh, pickup soccer. It's I true. did. I There was like a minute where I was going to go play with you guys i was gonna make my daughter wake up and then go and we were all gonna go play soccer and then i decided i'd rather make and eat breakfast instead and that's then fine by the time yeah. that happened it was like 10 30 or 11 so yeah so shout out to the rsl show for putting that on because i had like a complete i had a complete and total blast it was so fun like it was, it was a really good time i understand you had a hat trick i scored more goals than that i just didn't know how to say it, it was it was just fun like it was just a good good old time um andy producer andy got a little physical with me there for a sec we had a little he kind of checked me so things things were on and i had to had to score on him a couple of times but um and then he became our goalie so uh you know so then you stopped scoring on him well he was he the goalie on the other team i can't remember but it was just know. a good time. Like Dunny was there. Dunny's kids were playing. Um, we just, we, it was a super good turnout. Like we had a lot of guys playing and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a really good time. I'm uh, still sore. Yeah. I, I got more sore today. I wasn't very sore. I was, so, I wasn't sore Sunday. Oh, wait, we played on Sunday. Yeah. So I wasn't too sore yesterday, but then today I've been like a, quite sore because we played for like a, like it was a couple few, hours, yeah, right? A couple hours, just like non nonstop. We took a little break so Dunny could watch United win, but uh, very disappointing. Yeah, that sucked. But yeah, it was great. So hopefully they do that again and more. Um, what that, time? What time did you guys start? Was it like nine a.m.? Nine thirty. Yeah. Okay, so it goes to like eleven, give or take. We played. Yeah, it was like a little longer. Twelve thirty when I got in the car. Oh, really? So we were there for like three hours. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It was just. It was a great time. I. Uh, it, I don't even know how else. It was just a very wholesome event. We just, you know, the kids are uh, kind of ball hogs. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> we had fun. Like it was fun. Like playing with some like kids who were like pretty good and uh some like guys who were like you know it was just chill and fun and uh we played on like there's like the perfect size field it's not like the full size field but it's like the one for like the um it's not like the tiny it's the intermediary field you know what i'm saying like there's like a certain age group that plays on them i don't know how, when you switch to the full size one but no um, yeah it was great it was a good yeah. time i did uh I had to get one assist to you, Kyle, so I feel good about that. Was that where I had like that back heel goal thing? Uh, no, I think you did the kneeling header on that one. Oh, that was sweet. Yeah, I, I scored on Travis. Uh, he was the goalie and Matt 
played across to me and I just like kneeled down and headed it perfectly. It was delightful. Trevor, you would have loved it. It was great. Just like we drew it up. Yep. I was trying to, I was trying so hard to get a assist to Matt and then Matt assisted me. And then that was like kind of the end of the, the final game. Did you but. try to get Matt an assist on his right foot? No. Well, or have you learned that lesson already? I learned at like like a third of the way through that Matt was left footed, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So then I switched to the right side, and I was like, "I'm getting Matt. I'm like crossing it to Matt. I'm going to get him assessed." But we didn't. We, it didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I should have been more selfish, but yeah, <laughs> there were children passing, playing, passing like, through the children instead of shooting. Yeah, Matt and I used to play um, every most Sunday mornings. Did you come like all the time, or was it just some of the time at uh, uh, place over pretty regularly for a bit? Okay. Yeah, I just remember playing with you, and you never, ever played with your right foot, and everybody got very mad at you a couple times because it was like you were set up perfectly, and you tried to make it with your left foot, and you just made it 100 times harder for yourself. Yeah, I've got a peg for a right foot. So. <laughs> yeah. I think I've gotten slightly less, you know, bad. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say better, but less, slightly less bad. Well, I do want to come out. I hope they keep playing it because I do want to come out and play. That'd be fun. I do have a, a social hour update. Oh, what's I, your, after what's multiple weeks of not having watched anything new, really nice. Uh, we, because I'm like two months late on TV shows. I don't know why, but we finally watched uh, Murder Among the Mormons. Oh, oh. yeah, it's a really interesting show. Yeah, really it was like great. It was uh, fun to see things in my neighborhood where there were explosions. Um, ah, uh, yes, that was a little strange, mm-hmm. but you know. Like right behind the conference center on, uh, it must have been going up either state or, or center. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's it's just a little, you know, little. I know. Isn't that strange? Unnerving. I never knew that. I didn't know that happened until like they started publicizing that they were going to release that show. I really liked the guy. Um, I can't remember his name. His kid. Like there was one of the guys that they that was like would do pretty consistent testimonials. The guy who got really emotional at the end of the series. Um, he, his son was, uh, uh, like on Twitter talking about like how proud he was of his dad for like talking about that. Cause I guess he had like struggled to like be open about that for like a long time about like what had taken place. And his, the son was talking about how, like, how like much better his dad had been doing since like he was able to do the show and like talk through everything that happened. He was the. I really can't remember his name. He was like kind of the, he was like one of the gray haired guys. Just very, he had a very nice voice, but mm. he, he, bla- he was the one who really was like blaming himself for like what happened because right, yeah. there were certain times when he could have like interjected or stepped in, um, to prevent what happened from happening. So, um, yeah, just what a wild story. Very interesting. And made by Jared Hess, no less. So interesting producer there. Yeah. Anyway, Have you watched you, that yet, Trevor? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. No, I did watch it. Um, I had heard like the teeniest, tiniest little things about Mark Hoffman, like growing up. Yeah. Just from being LDS and that sometimes mm-hmm. came up. Um, yeah. So I, I knew that like it had happened, but I didn't know anything else about the story. Yeah. But no, it was extremely well done. I was worried that it would turn into because um, anytime anybody makes anything kind of based on Mormon history or, you know, about the LDS church or any version of it, it seems like it's got a really hard slant one way or the other, Mm -hmm. like just historically from different projects. And this one 
managed to not really do that. It just told the story and it was like, agreed. The guy was LDS and that's part of the story, but it wasn't like trying to paint anything any one way. It was like just telling the story. Yeah, no, the focus was the crime rather than like anything else yeah, surrounding I, it, which was I really good. If, I really love that. Yeah. I don't know if Jared Hess is still an active member of the church, um, but I I mean, that was certainly probably helps in a certain direction when talking about being very critical of something that happened and some of like the forces that influenced that, but still coming from it as being like a, from like being critical of something that he cares about, I think is, gives it an interesting perspective. But yeah, um, yeah, I, what if I... I've been, man, I keep falling asleep. I keep trying to watch the Q documentary on HBO, but I keep falling asleep. And like, I don't is that know because you're gonna... very tired or because it sucks a lot. No, it's good. It, it is. It is good. I, 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 I listened to QAnon Anonymous, that podcast. That's, that's really good. That talks about QAnon. Um, and they've, the guys of that podcast are actually in a bunch of the episodes of this documentary. And so like a lot of this stuff is stuff that I know some of the interesting things is like they get access to certain people, um, namely the Watkins family that like, you know, QAnon anonymous hasn't gotten. So there's interesting things in there. I just, I don't know. I'm just getting, getting sleepy. I've just, I've been watching a lot of sports lately. So like, I haven't been like, there's just like a lot of like over the weekend, there was so much soccer going on. There's, we're in still in basketball season. Like every sport really is going right now except for football. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, there's a lot of stuff to watch and I like, it's, it's a fun time of soccer season, beginning of MLS season, like end of, um, domestic leagues in Europe. Like we're final, we're getting to the end of champions league. It's yeah, it's just a, there's just a lot of stuff to watch. And so I haven't been wanting to watch too much on the old television lately but yeah but what else has been going on i i seriously have just been like dying like to play so i did not want to stop playing soccer on on sunday morning it was so fun i was just like oh and matthew brought me some of those nerds that we had been raving about i got home and ate the entire box really quickly unfortunately yes. i was like these are just so good i was gonna you got six I, more coming your way don't worry yes i was just like they're so they're so great they're so yummy um so that was fun. But yeah, I was just like, man, I want to, I want to do this every Sunday morning. It was just a great, it was a beautiful day. It like, wasn't too hot. I got a little, little sunburn, but it was fun. It was great. Got a little, uh, little sun kissed, but man, yeah. Good times, Trevor. I, we, we need you there. Jake wasn't there. So next time we need, we need, we need full off the crossbar versus full podcast RSL. representation. Yes. Versus yeah. the RSL show. Okay. Cause <laughs> Josh was there. Josh, Josh plays so funny. I, he's just like the way he like bodied up Dunny's kids were like hilarious to me, but man, good times. What's, what's going on with you, Trevor? What's, what's new? What's popping? Um, so no, really nothing much, but this nice. is going to be the most anticlimactic update I think That's I've fine. ever given, but I did come across, um, a scene from the Ozarks, the Ozark, the show, the Ozarks. Ozark. I think it's just Ozark. Ozark. Yeah. Ozark. Came across a scene from that on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh, let's just watch this and see if this piques my interest, so I can finally get around yeah. to watching it." And it's a good show. I think it did. I think I'm gonna actually. That's my like show that I'm gonna start watching. Yeah, it's a good I'm one. Gonna watch it. I it have. is. 
Highly recommend. I so really like it. It's that's pretty it. That's dark, the but... update that I'm going to start watching a show soon. Oh, I also heard that Ted Lasso is coming back in July from a friend today. So I yeah. uh, need to actually watch it. That was I'm one very... of the. That was one of the things that was big news on Twitter today for like 10 minutes in between all of the other things that were big news on Twitter today. Yeah, it was, I mean, I guess people got excited about it and then everything else took over. So, yeah, our first and only news item of Off the Crossbar today is the European Super League. I'm honestly super glad we didn't record. I'm super (laughs) glad we didn't record literally yesterday, Yesterday. I think, or like this morning. Yeah. At noon today. Yeah. So for those for those who are uninitiated, talking to my mom because I don't think <laughs> she's been following this. So <laughs> the European Super League. There's been like there's been talk of this for a while. Like there was there's been talk Rumors, that like yeah. that like you know certain certain executives at, at certain clubs like. You know, the top teams in England, uh, the top, the, the big six, as they call it, which doesn't necessarily indicate the top six, the, you know, you, your Juventus, your Barcelona, your Real Madrid, um, you know, even like in rumors, German teams too, French teams, we're going to form this super league, which I never heard anyone talk affectionately about ever. And then Sunday night at like, 1130 Eastern or excuse me, 1130, like, um, English time, whatever time that they are on. It's not, it's not Greenwich mean time or whatever. What's it called now? Um, it's a British daylight because they're on daylight time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So like, it was like pretty late Sunday night for them. All of a sudden, all of these clubs start announcing that like it's super league season, baby. We're, we're forming a super league. So we get club statements from like the, the biggest, the, the ones more like kind of the most important to the story at the moment. And the kind of the ones that are most focused on are the English big six. So where you get Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, that, but did I say all of them? Is that six? Uh, yeah, it, I think so. It was. Anyway, so they were all yeah, basically right. saying, yeah, we're like, we're saying we're committed to doing the European Super League. That's going to be made up of us six. It's going to be made up of Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. Um, I can't remember who else. AC Milan, Juventus. And? Who's the last one? Inter Milan. Inter Milan, yeah. So, and there's a lot of funny things about this. Um kind of the funniest one is that like a lot of these teams are not at the top of the table, like Manchester city, Manchester United are at the top of the table in, in England, but Real or excuse me, Arsenal, Liverpool, um, and Spurs namely are outside of the top four. Juventus is not at the top of the league in Italy. And, um, Juventus AC Milan, and AC Milan, I think right now are outside of champions league places. Yeah. And, uh, and Arsenal's even outside of Europa League places right yeah, now. Yeah, they're so. like ninth. Spurs Spurs and Arsenal are like ninth or like eighth and ninth or something like Seventh that. Seventh and ninth right now. Seventh and ninth, yeah. So this this whole so, thing clearly is not like merit based. No, it's not no. merit based, it's money based, but like it's also it, it like very notably excluded Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund of Germany and PSG of 
Ligue 1 in, in France, which there's a good reason for PSG, but like it's, I think Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund were making a bit of a, a stand with what they were doing. I don't think PSG was, but um, so this broke and everyone was like very, very, very upset. And for good reason, because like the format of this league too. is there's, yeah, there's essentially 15, 15 teams who are in Super League all the time, no matter what, regardless of what happens. And then there's like five teams that can fluctuate in and out depending on some criteria of like their domestic league performance or something like that. And again, this is something, like I said, has been rumored for a long time that coaches, managers, players have been asked about over the years. And famously, Jurgen Klopp was asked about this in uh, the Liverpool manager. It was asked about this in 2019. And he was like talking about how horrible of an idea it was. You can't just add another like league play because I mean teams in England in particular, like if you're, if you're playing champions league or, or Europa league, you're playing domestic league, you're playing Europa or champions league. You're playing in at least two domestic cup ties that are happening as well. Um, and then not to mention all your players who might be going off for international duty as well. Like it just, it didn't make sense to just throw another league on top of this. So that also definitionally means that the leagues that I just mentioned, including importantly, the domestic leagues would be suffering would be coming at an expense to the super league. And that was very much like almost explicitly like what was going on. So like it, like I said, this was late England time. So at this point it was mainly just like Americans who were awake on Sunday night, uh, like early, like Sunday afternoon for us. And like sky sports in England started like, you know, kind of freaking out and, and putting stuff on there. And like you have a, a ton of ex-players turned pundits who are, you know, very, very upset about what's happening. Because what we're really seeing here, Matt called it MLS 4.0 on, on Twitter. But like Europeans are very adamant uh, that this is the Americanization of European football. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it is. Do you some agree of the, with that? Yeah. Some of the immediate reactions that I saw was yeah. basically just like, this is European soccer trying to create an NFL. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you just take the best it, teams and then they're in their own league. They just do what they want. They compete against each other. And it's just a giant money grab to try to get it from everybody else. And that's essentially yeah. what it would do. It would just like crush everybody else. It theory. would ruin it's so and, and a big reason why they are calling it the americanization of 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 uh european football is because a lot of these teams very famously arsenal liverpool manchester united in england have american owners yeah um and uh we we have uh the glazers of manchester united we have um fenway sports group out of boston for liverpool and then stan cranky for arsenal who's also owns the colorado rapids um and also and elliot management group for ac milan is american yeah that's right so these these ownership groups are incredibly like americans have the hardest time grasping a lot of the concepts that are so native to like european football specifically around relegation and promotion and American ownership groups have a big problem when it comes to investing in teams that could potentially lose out revenue if they don't make it to UCL, if they don't make it to Europa League, if they don't 
you know, stay up in the Premier League because there's a ton of money to be lost or made depending on what happens there. And so it's a huge risk for these billionaire guys when they want to know exactly how much money they can count on every single year coming out of Liverpool or Arsenal or whatever. They want to know exactly how much money they can make every year. And they don't like the idea of the fact that if you don't get top four in England, then you don't get to compete in Champions League and you miss out on all that revenue. So that's what FSG in particular with Liverpool is very concerned about. They're not concerned about Liverpool being relegated. They're concerned about the fact that Liverpool might not make it to the Champions League or Europa League and missing out on all that that revenue that you get from, you know, being broadcast internationally for those insanely gigantic matches. So they've created this incredibly the goal was to create this incredibly safe league where they could say, we don't really care about UCL. We don't really care about the domestic leagues because we have this ultra super league and we can broadcast to, you know, the TV rights for these games, like, you know, to see any of these teams play each other, they can, they're looking at a market well outside of England. They don't really care. I mean, they're, they're maxed out on England. If there's no more audience to be reached in, in Europe for, for a lot of these teams, they're not going to grow anymore, but where they're looking is Asia, Africa, the middle East, and all of these, you know, basically, you know, fans all over the world who follow these teams explicitly on TV. So they would like to create this league where they can create and, you know, uh, additional TV broadcasts that are these super, you know, they're low stakes because, you know, it's this, it's this league where all the teams are built in and they can't, I mean, sure. It's like a tournament format and there's a winner of the super league, but it's, they're, they're cost sharing the profits anywhere. They're profit sharing across all the teams anyway, like Trevor said, like the NFL single it's a it's essentially a single entity league and you know we do that here in mls and we don't have promotion or relegation in, in, in mls and a lot of americans don't aren't comfortable with the idea of that anyway especially the owners here in mls and i don't necessarily think we should have promotion or relegation in mls because of how young the league is and because we're still trying to figure you know we have a all lot the of teams are so bad too all, the teams are bad the infrastructure like we are a young league. It, we are, like the infrastructure is new. A lot of these academies in Europe are hundred years old. Like I, I, I'm fine not thinking that we need promotion relegation in, in, uh, in America, but like that is so foundational to European football. And that, that it, you, that is not something that people are okay with. Like they're not okay with the idea of, you know, this super league existing that, you know, your team is never going to make it to like right now, West Ham is in the top is, is in the top four in England. They would never be considered for something like the Europe, uh, the, the European super league, but they'll likely like if they hold out be in champions league and players, coaches, everyone and fans are happy with to an extent (laughs) with, with champions league and the format that exists already. That's where the best of the best go to play. That's where all the, where, you know, teams from like, you know, Ajax can make a run in, in champions league. Like they don't need a super league where the richest among the richest are just segmented away so they can just do their thing. It's, it was, it's an awful idea. To be yeah. fair, like even Champions League is considering changing their format, right? To to cater more toward that, yeah, the super rich, right? Uh, they, which is they, like they it's hilarious announced. for that to come out. Yeah, 
like the, among all this it's starting oh, okay. in 2024 yeah i was gonna say they already uh, announced the changes and yeah. they're, they've been widely panned as generally awful but you know what people aren't gonna care about them now because they're just they're in not comparison. that bad compared they you know, are there's and like I don't this think weird part of me that yeah. thinks like there's some there's something weird going on here that's so my, where that's like my conspiracy they had theory. to know there was going to be bad reaction right yeah that's my so conspiracy I, theory I, about I do, this whole yeah. thing is that they introduced the idea of the super league knowing that everybody would just absolutely hate it so that they could get the changes made to the champions league without anybody throwing even the slightest fit about it i i, I understand that and like i think that's certainly going to be a secondary uh, outcome of, of this whole thing. So to go up to speed till today to today, uh, um, team started like we've seen in, insanely big widespread protests, you know, uh, famously like today, uh, like there was a lot of really good footage of tons of Chelsea fans at Stamford Bridge in London. You With know, Petr Cech telling them like, hey, let the bus through. Yeah. We want to work on this, right? Yeah. We have Petr Cech literally in the streets talking to the protesters, trying to get them to like, you know, let the bus of <laughs> people through to the actual stadium. And because um, there was a game today. So there were fans, you know, out and about ready for the or like at the stadium. So. Chelsea was Chelsea and, and Manchester City were apparently the the last ones to want to join to the super the the super league and as of today earlier today they were the first two to be announced that this wasn't going to happen and this comes after like all day Monday was just like pundits us like a lot of ex players who have turned pundits like specifically on Sky Sports um gary neville Jerry, jamie Carragher, two of the probably most popular ones were just had scathing uh you know things to say about about this the entire day and we had managers talking about this as well and then today jordan henderson apparently was getting uh, the captain of liverpool was getting all the players all the other captains of other teams and in the EPL to like talk through things. And they, and then he started posting things like we, like he posted a graphic that said, we don't want this. Like, this isn't anything that we're in support of. Like, this is like, it, this is supposed to be for the fans, the fans first. And like, we're nothing without the, without the fans. It got, sh got spread around and all of a sudden more teams started dropping. And by the end of the day today, all English teams have dropped out. Um, and uh, the Europe super European super league is, is all but dead. So, like Matt and Trevor were saying, like the UEFA, this is purely the acceleration of the path that all of these things were already on. There's already not a ton of parity in a lot of these leagues. There's already been a consolidation of money at the top of these leagues, especially when you talk about the money that's coming in from the Middle East um, to teams like Manchester City um, and PSG in particular. But there's already been a consolidation, and, but th this was truly a full acceleration of of their vision of like trying to completely secure their investments like for as long as they possibly can. And also potentially give themselves an exit plan as far as ownership goes, being able to cash in at like literally the maximum value once they've secured their teams in this Super League. Um, they were very aware of the stock prices for like... Manchester United is a public traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. And they were stock was going up while like this was happening, despite the public outcrying. Um, and, you know, you could see that that potentially being a, a, a plan to exit for a lot of these ownership groups. What that didn't end up 
you know, this isn't going to end up happening. But what is did happen is like they've been instituting a lot of changes little by little over the years. And like the one that we just mentioned is like now they're expanding Champions League to be more teams and they're creating a buffer zone where, you know, it was very clear, clearly defined how teams could be made, could get into the Champions League. You finished in a certain spot within your domestic league in the table. And depending on what your ranking was, you would make it into the Champions League and you would play in a group. Um, You'd get out of the group stages and then you get into the knockout rounds. What they're doing now is they're creating, uh, they're al- allowing more teams in, but they're still the same like domestic league requirements. But they're adding the ability for teams to get by on um, what are essentially Ivy League legacy admissions for <laughs> for European <laughs> football teams, where they can just be like, you know, Liverpool may have finished ninth in domestic this year, but they've been in Champions League X many times out of the last 10 years so we're putting them in here like that's the type of thing they're going to do moving forward and that's something that the owners of all these sport of of all these clubs have gotten pushed through through uefa through the through uefa which is a you know the european governing body um underneath fifa and uh that's the type of thing that they've been able to get away with that that now seems very much okay since they no longer are getting this super league So I don't know the reason why I don't necessarily think that was the intended outcome of announcing the Super League is because and and, and if it was, I don't think they necessarily expected the amount of backlash they did end up receiving if that was the goal, because I don't think that outcome is necessarily worth it, because based on based on what is what has happened today, um, you have former Liverpool players who are now pundits saying that the owners of FSG are not going to be welcome at Anfield like ever again. Like they will not ever be able to step foot in Anfield ever because of what, what took place. Not a problem for Stan Cranky at least. (laughs) That's right. For the owners that don't go and there are, there are owners who don't care and might just be, maybe FSG is fine. Just managing, you know, the giant portfolio, right? They call Yeah. Like there's something you'll hear these pundits say, they'll always call these owners custodians of the club. They're not, they're, and and I, and I like that I like that wording, and it makes me think of like those shirts that RSL the RSL show had made, like that was the here before here after, um, because new ownership like cycles through uh, a lot more often I think in in Europe than than maybe we see here, um, but like they tr- I mean especially when it comes to clubs that are a hundred years old, how many ownership groups have moved through the that club during that time? So truly they they know and they believe the foundation of the club is, is the fans obviously. And like the players and the managers who have come through, uh, from before. So there is no love to be lost, um, in these situations with, with English fans, especially, and these ownership groups, there's, it's not a good relationship at all. United in particular have a very, have had a very heated relationship with their ownership groups for a very long time. And I I learned today about like the green and yellow history, like, because there's this, um, like whenever United or pr- fans are protesting their ownership, they always wear green and yellow. And I didn't know that was like a thing, but that's apparently been a thing they've been doing for quite some time protesting against the Glazers. And what I think is interesting is I think this, like today we saw um, one of the top people at Manchester United also resign. 
Um, there was a report that United's or uh, excuse me, Juventus is one of the top guys at Juventus was was going to resign. Didn't not sure if that's been settled or not, but I don't think that that's going to be the last thing we're going to hear about people resigning out, out of what's taking place here, because I think the ownership groups are going to need a fall person to blame for this type of thing. They're all hiding behind club statements, some of which have been better than others. Arsenal being the only one in which they actually apologized for what happened. Um, Liverpool thanked the stakeholders for whatever, <laughs> like literally just the worst statement ever. But what I think this has done is that these these ownership groups have truly showed their hands in a way that like they I I think billionaires are a lot more out of touch than we might give them credit for. And I, I think they, and I think we saw that when, you know, like when we saw the way Amazon re- reacted to the potential unionization of that, of that single Amazon warehouse in Alabama, the way they reacted to that type of thing, like they, they, the way they think they can get away with certain things is really interesting. And I, I think the billionaire owners of these sports clubs genuinely thought that they might be able to, to swing this. And I don't know if it was necessarily just about getting these UEFA Champions League rules changed, but it might have genuinely been they really were playing their hand. They were going all in on this. And I've never seen as many people unified against a single thing ever in my entire life. Like online. Kind of amazing that way. It was. It was it was incredible. Like, I mean, you have you have, you know, someone like uh, you know, like someone like a very who belongs to an anti-regulatory anti-regulatory that's funny Tories party like Boris Johnson um, being very against this type of thing like um, you know whether or not his politics have resulted in this type of um, thing is um, for discussion but like you have you have a right-wing government in in Britain being very against what's taking place here because of how much they like everyone like across the political spectrum cares about soccer in in England so like literally complete unification of all fans, players, managers, um, because none of them were part of part of the decision making process at all. It was strictly billionaire owners saying we're creating our own league so we don't have to lose money. That was literally it. I think um, part of it and this is the part that I don't know if funny is the right word, but I was thinking about um, they were specifically talking about wanting to kind of create this league to kind of capture dollars from more yeah. fan dollars from America and from Asia. Yeah. And what gave them that idea in part is that these teams go on these preseason tours, for example, to America, and then they sell mm-hmm. tickets to games for $150, $200 a piece, and yep. they sell out stadiums in America. They sell yeah. out stadiums in Asia. And it doesn't matter that they're playing preseason <laughs> players, some players that will never play in a regular season match they're playing U23 players players, yeah and every now and then you get a 20 minute cameo from one of their star players but people in America and in Asia are paying $200 a pop to go to these games and they've been doing that more and more the last couple of years yeah I got to think that that's part of the inspiration for this we've got to capture this market on TV and they love it when we get Juventus to fly out to play a game against Real Madrid and they love it when PSG flies out to play a game against some local team. They, you know, they've seen the model work. They have some sort of proof of concept. And then they just expanded that into a giant league. And for me, the funny part is that 
there's a whole bunch of American fans of these teams that are extremely upset about this. And rightly so. I'm not trying to make it sound like they're not allowed to be mad about this. But I feel like those are the people that were paying $200 to see these guys play. And that directly or indirectly contributed to this whole idea in the first place. Thinking that, that they could get away with it. Yeah. Like one of the most interesting things is they genuinely thought that the players, I guess, would... I, I don't know if they... Yeah, like if money, they, right? Right, but if like I guess they if they thought that the, that maybe the brand of these teams was so powerful, like it didn't really matter who the players were because you know they they expected repercussions of a lot of kind. But I, two of the biggest things that 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 happened is like local football associations, like the English FA, basically said, you know, if players join this Super League with their teams, they won't be able to play in domestic league. And then FIFA came out and UEFA came out together and were like. If players play in this Super League, they will not be able to play in the World Cup. They will not be able to play in Europa. Any FIFA sanctioned, uh, sorry, not Europa, um, the Euros. They they were saying like essentially they would be banned from any FIFA sanctioned events. Yeah, this from isn't their, a FIFA from their national team like entirely. Right, yeah, it's, so it's this called was, right? Like, yeah, I I think they maybe they thought they'd get away with it, but at the same time, like these two sides kept pushing and pushing and mm-hmm. pushing, and at, at some point. Somebody made made a step that was uh, further than I think, yeah. Anyone was comfortable with people, but, but like yeah. it's it's the same thing. It's going to happen again, right? It, it will, and, and it'll be under it, a new name. It's often said, yeah, it will. They'll try again. It's often said that like football has to be saved from you know itself. Like FIFA, there's there's not a single soccer fan in the entire world that has like positive feelings about FIFA as an organization. Everyone knows how corrupt FIFA is, and then the the downstream um, confederations, no matter what part of the world you're in, all those FIFA confederations like UEFA, like CONCACAF, CONMEBOL, whatever, they're all, they all have like a certain amount of corruption baked into the cake. Um, and so no one's thinking that like UEFA or FIFA here is like, you know, the good parent in this, in this custody battle. But like unfortunately and fortunately fifa does have the rights to a lot of things that the people care about the most and you know fifa is both is the enabler and in the way of a lot of a lot of good and then bad things about about global global football so it's 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 this going to it's going to it's it's always been this constant struggle between you know, uh, private ownership of these clubs and then the confederation and the governing, the governing bodies of like where these clubs actually compete. And then kind of, you know, the fans, players, coaches, everyone else is just along for the ride really because fans love watching the game. Players love playing the game. Coaches love coaching the game. And then everything else is happening kind of just above it. And it's this, this power struggle that is, it's going to just keep happening. So whether it's this European super league right now, um, and it's or gone concessions made in Champions yeah. League, right? Right. Yeah. Or concessions in Champions League until it's got, it's been, you know, there's been so many concessions that like, we're I mean, still it, seeing the same teams over and over again. So we're, we're a decade away from it becoming what uh CONCACAF Champions League is, right? Where yeah. with group stages designed to weed out the bad teams as quickly as possible. And mm-hmm. so I think let's bring this home. Um, yeah. I think we can look at MLS as almost like a little bit of, well, not just MLS, but a little bit of prior art there with yeah. uh, the League's Cup, uh, like a completely artificial tournament. Um, 
pitting teams who basically bought in, right? Yeah. Uh, and and Deloitte Hansen bought into Leagues Cup, and it, you know it it was weird and artificial and uh, a glorified friendly. Mm-hmm. And of course, Con- Concacaf didn't feel quite the same way. Um, no, I think they're just they're, happy to have right. money. But um, they are, and they're. But like you said, there's the same mechanisms where you know they weed out. They try to make it so there's you know MLS teams don't play each other as long as they can. That like MLS and Liga MX teams end up being like the last ones left because that's genuinely that's generally and genuinely just how it, it it they've set it up to be. And like we will see that soon with UEFA. I know. I think it was Grant Wall that was suggesting that type of thing start to happen, which was funny. But like, um, yeah, I mean, you're like English teams that are owners of English teams don't want to see them, their their teams lose to other English teams in Champions League. Like, yeah. that's like worst case scenario for them. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was Grant Wall. He was saying that once Champions League gets down to, I think, eight or 16 teams or something like that, then it should be like a seeded tournament at that point and put the one and two on opposite sides of a bracket. Yeah. Something like that. So you can kind of try to guarantee the the best two teams make it to the end, which yeah, is pretty manufactured and pretty opposite to the point of Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, the randomization, yeah. I, it, it really does need to be saved from itself because like these type of the more this becomes like manufactured, like, you know, it, it's very, it's, uh, it's tactile. Like people can tell, people can feel it when, when that starts to happen. But yeah. anyway, it's not real. It's not authentic. So yeah, MLS 4.0 was spot on. I thought all, all <laughs> of that to say that I think it really did feel like MLS 4.0. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and it'll happen in MLS with, uh, the combination of, uh, you know, some super league between MLS and, uh, Liga MX yet again. Right. We, just, oh, we keep coming back to that same well. I forgot that, uh, that and there's was always that hope that there will be money in that well. And I think they'll find like maybe there's a little bit, but what's the what's the phrase? You can't get blood from a turnip. <laughs> yeah. I don't really get that phrase. I, I, I mean, was, I guess blood that literally. Feels I, get right. it. I thought it was you can't get water from a stone. It's that, like the it same idea. Feel the same. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like there's, there's there's like one of the things I miss the most about RSL being like i'm about us being good I, what i miss is is playing in, in concacaf champions league just because yeah. it's it's so different from the normal mls schedule it's it's nothing like anything else that we would generally play it's not like any of the you know pre uh, mid-season friendlies we play against the european teams when they're on on tour or whatever um and it's not like you know u.s open cup and it's not like mls regular season matches there's something really special about being to, uh, about being able to play these teams you know in this comp- competition no matter you know even if it is manufactured but like and and that's kind of a lot of the uproar especially around like you know fans that don't follow the big teams in europe is like they're really lo- they would have really been losing an opportunity to uh for you know a lot of those situations as well but. yep anyway yep so glad uh, it's dead everyone's glad it's dead yeah it it was like 48 hours 
from start yeah. to finish this whole thing. And we didn't even talk about the press conference that Florentino Perez gave. Oh my god. Which was to be honest yeah, my go, favorite go, part go of the whole it. thing. We're go definitely not going to rehash it, but I just want to Well, we will say that he claimed he was saving football. Like yeah. that's what he he said that you, you he know, said that it, there were so, so many like team teams statements that came out and were like that's what we're doing we want to save football we lost so much money from the pandemic football's gonna oh, die and gosh, also dude. he's at one point my favorite bit was he said that all of these teams have signed contracts like the contracts are signed everybody's agreed we're bought yeah. in for sure and then he said that those contracts were uh the teams were not able to leave them they were completely incapable of breaking the contracts and also yeah. that they lasted for 23 years Yep. Which is an unusual number to start with, but also no team, organization, billionaire, anybody would do that, would ever sign a contract locking them into anything without yeah. some kind of exit strategy yeah. for any length of time. Yeah. Yep. So but the like, whole yeah. thing, definitely now, go watch it, but it was crazy. The end of the day where he gives this press conference, but seriously, cl- claiming how hard like the billionaires of owners of these teams have had it during the pandemic. Like he's seriously saying that to a bunch of fans who oh, no, are he also, so upset. It's, it is so it is such an <laughs> offensive thing to tell people that like how hard they've had it and how much money they've lost over the course of the pandemic he compared also, to how much people have been lost or like livelihoods yeah. have been lost. It's just horrific. He also that. brought up Reaganomics and was talking about how them getting more money <laughs> is going to trickle down to the clubs. Oh, don't worry yeah, about it, guys. Been, They're saving football by super collecting yeah, all, all right. of the money. Okay, let's uh, let's move on <laughs> anyway, to the real yeah. reason we're here, which is it's uh, uh, Real Salt first game of the season on Saturday. Are, are we just skipping the second item on the document? Or? No, we're, we'll we'll get there. Are we going to introduce these things? We have to transition, Trevor, back to the the what's there's like a phrase in French reason for existence, raison d'être. Is that is that what it is? That definitely sounds sounds French. Yeah, that sounds. I am. Yeah, uh, the most important reason or purpose for something (laughs) or something's existence. Thank you, Oxford languages. That's pretty good. Yeah. So. So, uh, We've got a game. How, did how, they, how did you lose their first game? Did, did Minnesota lose? Oh, I don't yes, know. I didn't pretty watch. sadly, they, did. they lost four to nothing to the to Seattle who? Sounders. That's right. Yeah, the greatest oh, team where, in the league. Yeah, like Jack Hollow sure. scored an absolute screamer. <laughs> yes, that was. Yeah, he scored an insanely good goal. I, I forgot I watched that game. Um, I forgot who they were playing. Minnesota was such a little of an impact that game that like it was just. Um, so. I don't know how to feel. I, uh, I, it's, it's really, it's been a little while since we played preseason. Um, having a first week by really sucks. Yeah, uh, especially, and, and I was talking to you about this on Saturday or Sunday, Kyle, but I, I am glad that we're hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. I think mm-hmm. that's cool. I think like there's value there. Yeah. Um, I hate that they had their first game of the season in, our stadium and we had a buy. Yeah, that's like you seems they so couldn't odd. arrange that better. No, Matt, they Very could not odd. have arranged that better. Uh they could have they could arranged all this better and we could not play LA six times in July. Yeah. yeah. That's a cynical MLS <laughs> fan in me that knows that nothing is done to favor RSL in any way whatsoever. 
No, I also did talk to my uh, friend who lives in Austin to make my intentions known of like trying to go to that Austin game in October. Oh, let's go. um, Yeah, I would love that. But do we have any injuries at the moment? Do we know? Have we had an injury report? I don't know. We have not. No, we haven't. Uh, oh, we definitely know that Jason Ramirez is injured because we didn't see him at all preseason, and he's the best player on the team. So the only possible explanation is that he's injured. <laughs> Trevor, did you, you didn't watch most of the preseason games because he didn't play. Watch. Yeah, but like, <laughs> did he though? Yeah, I mean, not not a lot. Oh, okay. All right. Before so, we get to injuries, though, should we yeah. uh, should we talk mailbag? Let's do it. Oh, so, so we're going uh, back now. Yeah, we're we're rewinding. We're, okay. we're, 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 that's I'm just my making sure noise. that we definitely skipped something, and now we're going back to it. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I put out a call on Twitter, uh, basically asking for questions. I did it in Slack too. There were some questions there, and we'll talk about a few of those. Um, but I wanted to go over some of the questions, just get you guys to kind of give your answers on some of these, because sure. this will also play into the match, like. We'll we'll talk about lineup predictions. That's that's gonna be the big one. Uh, we'll talk about like the state of RSL currently. Cool. So uh, let's let's have at it. And uh, yeah, I'll read some of these questions, and you guys answer them, and, and I'll yeah. probably answer some of them too. Uh, the first one is from RSL soapbox reader Lucas um, Mueller. <laughs> Hope we're pronouncing that right. Yeah. Uh, First time, long time. <laughs> and uh, the question is, will RSL win? Against Minnesota? I mean, presumably. He didn't specify. Oh, um, I want to assume that we're talking about Minnesota. Yeah. And I'm going to say probably not. That's I mean, we have a problem with Minnesota, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, I think we draw... So, right. no, <laughs> we will not win. I actually think we'll win and we'll be surprised and then we'll lose terribly at home. That would be really funny, actually. Do, yeah. do you think we're winning 2-1 or 3-1? Three, 3-0. One? Three, three, zero. Three, zero. Okay. Yeah. Worse than Seattle, but not a lot worse. Nice. I, I don't have good reason for that, just to be clear. It's just my uh, tradition. Does Kevin Molino still play for... He does not. Minnesota. He plays for Columbus Crew. Oh. Glad somebody Did, he didn't play the other day, though. I, I have no idea. I just know that on the that MLS game. review show that they do every single week, they pointed out specifically that okay. United is trying to get by the season without their star player because he got. Yeah, I was going to say group. that's good that he's not on their team anymore because he it was had an insane season last year. Um, yeah. And Trevor, you mean uh, MLS BBC match of the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed watching that, though. I watched it this week, and I, uh, a good way to catch up. Are, are they still making that? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. like a 30-minute show that they do at the end of every week. And I got to say... I had no idea they did that. So. It made me so mad when they were reviewing the... Um, what friggin' game was it? I don't remember who was playing. There was a VAR about the handball. It was Vancouver. It was a Vancouver game. Um, they, Vancouver Portland? Yeah. Yeah. And on the review show... They were like, it was pulled back for a handball. It wasn't. It very clearly wasn't. Everybody knows it wasn't. The MLS, like VAR, like the official Twitter account that like posts every single VAR decision said that it wasn't. It was for an offside. That's what the referee indicated. And the commentator's dumb. And the MLS review show is dumb as well because that's not what it was. Anyway, 
we're done. I got that off my chest. All right. Next question. <laughs> Will anyone score as many goals as Corey Baird this week, who notably did score for LAFC on his debut? He scored um, good, one goal good for you, Corey. So the question is, will anybody score one goal? Yes. Now we could we could still win and have no goals if you consider own goals. So so don't rule out a win. I'm, based I'm assuming on this, this question is speaking specifically about RSL players. Yes, I'm probably. <laughs> it didn't specify, so just want to be clear. Miles, if you want to write in and specify, we can address this one next week as well. <laughs> I think that there will be a player that scores at least one goal for RSL. Good news. Okay. But I think Minnesota will probably score more than one goal. All right, let's uh, next question. Biggest on-field strength and weakness for the team? That's you, wow. Kyle. Kyle's our biggest on-field strength. Trevor, does that mean you're our biggest on-field weakness? No, it means I answered the last two questions first. So Kyle has to answer so this one I, first. Uh, no, I think our biggest strength is... Answer. I think our biggest strength is our... Um, probably our midfield. We've got, I think, Pablo Ruiz, Demir Krylock, and... A combination of Alba Rusnak and Everton Louise is our biggest strength. I think the, that's where our best players are that we know of right now. Um, weakness is, I mean, obviously, we're not really sure if the scoring thing is going to... We don't know how well uh, Anderson, Julio, Rubio, Rubin are going to be doing uh, scoring goals. Hopefully they do well. So where goals are going to come from is has been a weakness, but the one I'm really concerned about is our center back situation because um, it is untenable at the moment. We've got Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva. And we also have Eric Holt, who is terrible. Um, he could be, be better this year. Maybe he'll be better this year. I... Losing, I mean, it would be hard to be Natum worse. Is, losing losing Natum is gonna be is gonna be tough. Um, so yeah, I think center backs right now. We've got some weak spots. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but again, look out for Ashton. This is Ashton Morgan's year. Ashton Morgan, 2021 at left back. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, Trevor. What about you? I was just gonna say I don't think that our starting center backs are necessarily a weakness. I don't think they're a strength. I think the problem with center backs is the depth. We don't have like any kind of depth. So as soon as one of them goes down, then we're absolutely toast. But I think our starting center backs are slightly better than or close to league average. You know what I mean? Like with Justin Glad and Silva, that's not a great center back combo, but it's not a terrible one. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah, my it's good for, for preventing all but one or two goals every match. Yeah, but like, anyway, no, I think you got it pretty much exactly right. That was my only bone to pick with what you said. I think our midfield is the strength. I think um, the new acquisitions up front, like Anderson Julio and Rubio Rubin um, and Bobby Wood when he gets here, I think that's going to be our strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I just think our weakness is going to be with the goalkeeper and whoever they put out at left back. If it's Ashley Morgan or if it's Ashton Donny Morgan. Toya or whoever, I, that's very clearly our weakest position on the roster is those two, I think. 
All right. Uh, next question. Uh, of these four players, which one will be on the bench? Kryluk, Rusnak, Ruiz, and Louise. Everton uh, Louise. That's where I'm that's at too. Um, but I'm slightly suspicious that it will be Rusnak. Um, and that's simply because of the rotations that Freddie Juarez did in preseason. I don't think Freddie Juarez is the sort of coach who goes out seeking to deceive the opposition. Um, there are plenty of great coaches that do, plenty of great coaches that don't. I don't mean that as a value judgment. Um, just that uh, he plays it pretty straight most of the time. And he's pretty straight with the press. Um, and I know that that Albert was away on international duty and that played a big role. Um, but he had opportunities to put Rusnak in with the starting set, even for 45 minutes at a time, and avoided it. And I think that's an interesting choice. That said, I think you're probably right. It's probably Everton, Luis. I like your read, though. Yeah, yeah. I like that read, too. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, I don't like the... Demir, Pablo, Everton midfield. I think that's too it's too defensive. Demir is not a he's not an I mean he is an attacking player, but not he's I, not a creator, right? Like no, I no, you will get some assists, but it's it's from I think, normal build up play. Yeah, yeah, if you want to play all four of those players in the midfield, um it's gotta be you gotta drop Everton, I would think. Um I think you gotta put if it were me, I'd play Pablo next to Ever, uh Demir and then um albert in front of him but albert could potentially go on the wing that's something that happens sometimes and is bad uh and then you know but that's where we get more tactical flexibility like later in the game when you're making a sub depending on if somebody's tired whatever like being able to push albert to the wing is it's easy to to sub out a winger push albert to the wing and bring somebody else on like in everton (laughs) or something like that um in that case, I think it's just gives you more flexibility if Albert starts, because then you can either take him off or you can move him around to somewhere else to take somebody else off. Yeah, I think so. I don't too. think you can really do that if you start with Albert on the bench. Yep, agreed. Okay, uh, next question, and we'll let's let's actually end at this one. Uh, let's see. <laughs> we clearly have a lot of wingers. And again, you can see full response to this on RSL Soapbox. Um, and you can see the context of the original question. I'm modifying it slightly for the for the purposes of the podcast. Uh, it's uh, We have a lot of wingers. Um, and they're all kind of vying for just two spots because no team plays more than two wingers. Although I think some should try. I would love to see it. Just, you know, like double up on wingers, no midfield Let's let's just go pure chaos. Anyway, are you editorializing right now, or is that the question? That's me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to the question, because uh, we have so many. Like, it, there's a good chance that not all of them end the season with RSL. Uh, so we've got Jason Ramirez, we've got uh, Justin Miram, Michael Chang, Albert Rusnak, ostensibly. Though, I mean, he occupies the position, but he's not not an out and out winger by any means. Uh, so, so who who gets the axe? If you had to choose, and then uh, what's your prediction? So contracts play a much bigger part in this than like play on the field. Usually, um, sure. For that reason, I don't think you can include Albert in this, even a little bit. 
For um, sure. I also think it would be tough to include Jason in this. Um, a young DP. A young DP. He's on a big With contract. and we Less been, than 90 minutes of play. Yeah, he's been here for a very short period of time. It would be really weird for a team to just give up on him and be able to get something from that. Like, you basically just have to cut him. You know I mean? Nobody's going to pay us yeah. anything for a player that's played 90 minutes on that big of a contract. So I think you're, of the four that you mentioned, I think you're looking at Justin Miram or Michael Chang. And I think Miram is a lot more marketable or easily bought out. So that's my choice. If you're talking about, like, kicking him off the roster, if you just mean, like, getting him off the starting 11, I think it's also the easiest choice to take Miram out. Totally agreed. Kyle. Kyle is struggling with this one. Yeah. He's deep in thought. Ask the question again, but give me... <laughs> Which part of the question? Like my editorializing? Or... Yeah, give me the editorialized version. <laughs> we have a lot of, like, so, so we have a lot of wingers on the roster, yeah. um, some of which are good and some of which are bad. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, who doesn't play? Jason, or who doesn't play or who gets cut? Jason Ramirez, okay, so... Jason Ramirez, Michael Chang. Yeah, the answer has to be well. Okay, are we assuming Bobby Woods here? Like, because um, I think that changes. I think Bobby it Woods got to be in the picture. Yeah, but yeah. Is, so he, is, he, is, is he a possible answer? I don't think so. I mean, well, I, I think I he's a possible not. answer in that all of those guys get cut, except because I think you would want to have Rubio, Rubin, and Bobby Wood on the field at the same time, and I don't think you can have. You're not going to have Miram. Anderson Julio, Rubio Rubin, and Bobby Wood on the field at the same time. So I think you have to go with your best front three, which in my opinion are likely to be Anderson Julio, Bobby Wood, and, and Rubio Rubin. So I think any other of our other wingers are back up to that front three. Fair enough. Yeah. Where right. does Albert <laughs> Rusnak fit into this team then? And I think he I is... I think it's Everton that doesn't fit into this team. I'm serious. Like, I, I think... I mean, I don't know if Albert's good at all anymore. I genuinely have no idea. I, I think this could be a, I say that I've said this last two years. <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna I say, think this I know it's coming. Ever and since you're right. <laughs> ever since Albert was on Natum's podcast and Natum was like, like what like what do you want to be? Like what do you want your career to be? Like do you, I know Albert wants to be in playing at like a bigger a big club in Europe and I know he wants to play UEFA Champions League. He gets to play you know, he plays Euros matches or whatever, at least qualifiers. He plays World Cup qualifiers for Slovakia. He plays in big games there. Um, and he wants to be back in, in Europe and playing Champions League. And I and I think that's he should be aspiring to that. But you won't do that being the player that he's been for a while. At best, he could go back to the Nera Divisier side like he was at before and be a serviceable player there. So if he is if he finally can become a player that he, you know, he needs to be challenged. He needs to be like in the MVP conversation to be, to be in the, to make it back to Europe and, and play champions league. So I think it's Albert that has to fit into this team. So I think that it's Everton that at the moment doesn't fit into the starting lineup because you have to play Pablo Ruiz. Cause he's one of our best players. You have to play Demir Krylock next to him. In my opinion, you have to play Albert Rusnak in front of them. And then you have Rubio Rubin on the left Bobby Wood on up top, and then Ruby Rubin on the right. I think that's that's what you do. I think that having Albert on this team, it kind of forces you to build the team around Albert. And I think that's 
a problem just because of what Albert has been for the last two or three years. But like you need that player. We don't have another player that can play that position like Albert or that has shown that he can play to what Albert should be able to play. And that's really the biggest problem with our roster is we just have a league average attacking midfielder and we're paying him $2 million a year. And we don't really have somebody else that we can just slot in in that position. So yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. You have to right. keep Albert there unless you're signing somebody that is much better than him and plays that position. Albert has to be there. And if Albert, uh, that's a different conversation, but yeah, if Albert just isn't good enough, I, I, I don't know that you can still justify pulling him out unless you have a replacement. I don't think yeah. this team does. No, yeah, I, I don't think we do either. So I, I'm curious about the this. Um, it, it feels to me, so I, I like what you say about you've got to build around Albert Rusnak. And I wonder if Bobby Wood is part of that. Yeah. Um, Demir Krylik at striker uh, has been weird and not ideal, um, obviously, <laughs> for many, many reasons. Uh, but he scored goals, right? Uh, and But they're not like Albert Rusnak created goals. Uh, no, they're like it, team created goals. Yeah, and and that's good. You want those, right? But but if you're paying two million dollars in MLS for a a central attacking midfielder, you kind of expect that, right? Um, and it makes me wonder uh, if Bobby Wood is part of that vision. Uh, if he does indeed still have breakaway speed, does that give Albert somebody to aim at? Because we do know he's 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 got a good pass on him. And okay. and he he can hit that ball uh, even if he's his record with Sam Johnson was extremely mixed to say the least. See, I thought you yeah. were saying that Bobby Wood was going to act as some kind of replacement for Albert. No, I no, thought I'm that's sorry. where you were going no. with it. Yeah. Okay. Completely wrong. No, I th- I think you're right. I think that part of the problem with Albert could easily have been that he didn't really have a good striker to play the ball too you know what i mean yeah and, and we can look at at sam johnson and and wonder what happened there obviously uh there were some i think some pretty obvious social dynamics yeah and we can yeah. debate the merits of those um there were some on-field dynamics that were uh you know separate from the social dynamics but not entirely yeah and it's it's interesting to me to see how we've yeah. coped with being extremely bad. Here's the thing I'm worried about with Albert, though, uh, is in preseason, we looked like a team that wanted to press. Um, yeah, we wanted to win so. the ball back in advanced positions. It's scored a goal way, like that in preseason. Too. Yeah, it's, it's the way the modern game is played, right? Yeah. Um, you have that and you have some other strategies that are uh, decidedly less in vogue, right? And Albert is not the sort of player that presses. Uh, he will he will make an effort occasionally, um, but it, I don't think it comes naturally to him. I don't think it plays to his strengths. He's not a particularly fast player. No, uh, he's not a not going to you know get into a defensive scuffle up top to break you know break the ball away. And it, it makes me wonder, like. Have we made a, a big roster building mistake in keeping Rusnak on the team? Yeah. Uh, or uh, are we going to use, is the high press really what we're going to go for? 
Or are we just going to exist the way we are and hope for the best? Do you remember who was playing in his position in that preseason game we went to at Rio Tinto? I believe it was Krylock. Yeah, we so we played with the Krylock, Pablo, Everton midfield. Yeah. Um, and Demir, Demir is good at pressing. He's also really big. Yeah. And he leads the press, right? And that's important. Yeah. Is he he understands the press. He leads the press. He's very vocal in that. Oh, and uh, I think sometimes we overvalue vocal players uh, or at least the obviously vocal players. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't want to use that as a stick with which to beat Albert Rusnak. No, but he's he's very clearly like, uh, I mean, he's, he's a good pressing player. And I, we, that was so apparent to me in that game because yeah. um Rubio, Rubin, Anderson, Julio, and Justin Miram are all very quick players. And they, um, like, we had a man on each one of their back four with those three and Demir Krylock pressing up too. And Albert Rusnak is, like, you would need that player. If you're going to do a high press, you need your central attacking mid to be to, to be pressing that back line. And yeah. I, I, that that is worrisome. So. And it- I guess if we go back just a little further, I wonder if that's the sort of thing that keeps Everton Louise in the side. Yeah. Uh, because he he is an effective player on the press. He will hassle and harry like high up the pitch uh, or at least like high, kind of like at the base of the attacking third uh, to try to win the ball back. And there, there's value there that I think yeah. we miss out without him on the field. So... You're right. And you're making good points. It, it brings up a question to Thank me. <laughs> if, if that's how this team wants to play is with the press. And if you also at the same time believe that you have to build this team with Albert Rusnak in mind, those are two, what we're saying basically is those are two opposing ideas. Yeah. So is that bad coaching? Maybe. Is that bad roster building? Is that both? Potentially, because I mean, is it, it the, the hand we've been dealt, and we don't have many other options? I mean, I, it's I also that. I feel like that's probably things. where we're at. But we, if that's the case, then we've got to change something. Yeah, because trying to play. I mean, we're putting a square peg in a round hole. In that case, we've either got to get somebody yeah. that can press and play the attacking midfield, at least as good as Rusnak, to play that position instead of Rusnak, and also yeah. keep Demir and Pablo on the field where they're supposed to be. So we just have to replace Albert. Yeah. Or I'm really curious. We have to yeah. just try to play a style that doesn't require Albert to press. Yeah. And those styles it's, exist. It's more likely going to be this second. They they can succeed. You don't have to press to be a successful team these days. But for sure. Yeah. If there's a style you want to play and you don't have yeah. the players for it, like something's got to change. I don't think Freddie at this point, Freddie can't not play Albert, right? Like there, I mean. He, are you saying that like Freddie doesn't have the clout to like sit Albert and like make it like an I'm the coach and you're the player kind of situation? Uh, it's not necessarily, I don't know if it's clout is so the respect. Maybe that maybe? is the right description. I, I mean, it's it's not like he doesn't have the clout over Rusnak. Like, like if we if we were fully as an organization, like moving away from Albert Rusnak. And like we were definitively playing in a style that did not suit him, and he came off the bench. I like I I don't think for, I don't, I think we could do that, but we don't have the organizational, uh, like 
belief structure and actual like thesis of how we're going to play in order to make that decision. Like yeah. it, benching him would be more like, like uh, we, we don't have that philosophy that where, where we were, we're, we're going to be playing a certain way. And if Albert doesn't fit in, then he won't be playing. Like Freddie's not philosophically inclined enough to have a system to where you either play in my system. And if you can play it well, then you play. If you can't, then you're not playing. You're not starting. Yeah, like, I mean that, that's not figured out yet. In MLS, it's hard to do that, right? Because yeah. your roster is is very limited um, by salary yeah. cap, by number of players, by number of you know high paid players. Absolutely. Okay, so if so, so let's bring home this Rusnak point. Um, what what could we do with this roster that would fit Rusnak better? Trevor, go. I just think don't make the press as high a priority. I mean, that or you just have to get like Albert to buy in. But if Albert's not going to buy in, then you can't. The press is a team thing. You either have to press as a team or like it's so easily broken. The whole point of it is that you have four or five or six guys all together, all pressing and all forcing mistakes in the back of the field. If you're trying to do it with two or three guys, it's not going to work and it's pointless. You're easily defeated and then all of a sudden you're on the back foot defensively. Then you have to suddenly play transition defense and you're toast. So you either just have to get Albert to buy in, which I think you can do. It's definitely possible to get him to buy into a press. I mean, there's been plenty of examples of players that don't historically do that that have changed and changed the way they play for the coach. I, I feel like that's the easiest solution to it. But the other solution that is to just simply try to adopt a style that doesn't require a press. We can go back to some kind of possession oriented soccer like we had four or five years ago where we were just simply breaking teams down and just defeating them with possession. It wasn't always successful, but like that was a clear ideology that the team f- followed. And we did find some success with it. And I think you can still with Albert. But I, I think the easier I mean, solution and, and is the, to just get Albert to buy into a press. That's the premise we bought. We brought Albert Rusnak in under, right? Yeah. Was yeah. A, a Jeff Kazar possession team. It's not the most obvious path to success, but like you can succeed under that system. Yeah, I don't know if you can under Jeff Kassar, but you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't, so I guess yeah. there's that. We didn't yeah, make Champions League, though. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I, I think, I think that's, I think Trevor's right. I think, I think it's, I think it's more likely that we just have to figure out a way to play with Albert, and if that means not playing the high press, that's probably going to be worth it more than trying to play without him. I think. I think I think I'd rather have Albert on the field than Everton simply because I don't like playing with like three three midfielders who are one center mid and then two defensive midfielders like that's it's a very defensive midfield so Yeah, fair enough. All right, so if we go back to the document, we could. Yeah. So, uh I think we covered lineup predictions pretty well. Yeah. Um if just in sort of a positional sense uh, is there anything either of you thought that we missed in that discussion about the lineup? Yeah, about the lineup. No, I don't know. I think we pretty I, much covered. I, it. I mean, I I assume we're seeing Donny Toya at left back, but yeah. I, I really want to see um, see Ashton Morgan, and I also wonder what's going to happen with goalkeeper. 
uh, that's that's kind of intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the only questions I have are like just the problem with the lineup discussion right now is just how little information we have. I think we pretty much exhausted all the information we have on it. Once we actually see how Freddie plays during games that actually matter, that's really what it what I'm looking forward to is because then we can actually dissect real stuff instead of preseason stuff. And you know how I feel about dissecting preseason stuff. You hate it. You hate doing this podcast. You hate hanging out with us. He hates it. We've been forcing him through all, all, all of these months. We're finally at the very end of this incredibly tired saga of not having so excited to have real soccer to talk about but no like like you said the two question marks that i have that i'm really interested to see are exactly what you said who plays at left back and who plays a goalkeeper and it's the same conversation for the goalkeeper anyway that we've had for the past nine months yeah it's that putna sucks mcmath isn't better and ochoa should be playing yeah. But we'll see. Even if he makes mistakes that a young keeper would. Yeah, well, that's like the thing. In the Olympics. He needs to play those games to make those mistakes to, make, to learn those totally. lessons. And that's fine. I'm I'm fine. I'd way rather see him make mistakes than uh than see Putnam make a mistake. Exactly. <laughs> I don't I don't I, at, at this I, point, I, yeah. if the only good reason an organization would have to not play Ochoa is if you're challenging for a trophy. Agreed. If you play your 30 year old season veteran keeper we're not in yeah, that Putna's position our cup keeper Putna's our cup keeper <laughs> yeah like we're not oh in a boy. position where we have such a good goalkeeping core that we have to keep ochoa yeah. on the bench we should be developing yeah. ochoa and that means playing him a Man, lot i really hope i'm not like super off on the ash and morgan thing like i have That'd no reason funny. <laughs> that would be funny if he like just gets no time at all this year. I just thought he looked really nice in preseason. I thought yeah. he looked very, very sharp, especially attacking wise. I thought he looked very great. So yeah, um, like very a lot better attacking chops than Donnie than Donald quote the Don Toya. No one, no one calls me that other than me. But um, sorry, yeah. I'm also anyway. really excited. The only other lineup thing I'm really excited to see is whether Toya's mustache survived the off season. I think it. I think it did. I hope, I hope so. it did. Uh, tweet at him. Let's find out. He's oh, probably got an Instagram. Speaking of Twitter, let's. Uh, while we're here. Oh yes, we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? And do officially, think? there are no new likes for Mike Petke on oh, Twitter. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Looks like uh, Donnie Toya's mustache is still present. Yes. And they just announced the. Uh, wait. Oh, they're adding, they're having a boy. His oh. wife, his wife's pregnant. That's cute. Oh, good, good for them. That's great. They're really cute. Congratulations, guys. I hope wow, they, he's a, I he's hope one that, guy, that yeah. he listens to the podcast and that too, he, he made it to an hour and 20 minutes. Oh yeah. We, we've gone long again. That'd today. be, that'd be yeah. really um, special. That would be funny. Uh, wow. All right, Kyle. Do you want to take the next point, or, or do you think we should uh, continue on? Yeah, I mean, we, we should we should mention it because we were um, interestingly. Let's see. So, what set off the ownership change within RSL was um, the day that Jacob Blake was shot by police in Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin, right? Yeah, was Wisconsin. yeah, that was Wisconsin, Kenosha. Um, that kind of kicked off a wave of. Uh, you know, teams kind of 
it, it wasn't i mean i guess it, it could have been seen as going on strike but players were essentially you know not playing their, that day and kind of like indefinitely um that week until well until they figured something out but um and that's kind of why you know rsl that is why rsl players decided not to play that one day and then that resulted in you know the delay hansen saga so today we're recording this the announcement um uh, the day of the announcement of the uh um derek chauvin trial um ver- where they announced the verdict and we had been kind of talking about like the potential of this game maybe not happening this weekend depending on what the announcement of that trial ended up being and he did get uh convict or yeah he did get convicted on all three counts that he was being charged with um which i guess is uh is somewhat reassuring since there was literal video footage of what happened so that seems like uh, pretty fitting but you know that's that is what it is um so i and i, I guess you know things are obviously uh, i've seen a lot of really bad tone deaf comments like from the oakland raiders in particular from and from uh, nancy pelosi the house nancy pelosi <laughs> just, i can't just the worst thing i've ever seen in my entire life yeah. um so yeah it's interesting i i we don't have someone like natum on the club at the club anymore um who was very outspoken on on like issues like these um and i don't really know who fills that role uh and i don't know yeah i'd be i'm I'm glad i'm glad of the outcome of the trial and also i'm glad that you know um players and athletes are going to feel comfortable continuing to play i i assume but yeah it's uh i'm yeah man I'm, i'm just glad we at this point we don't have to relive certain things yeah the concern was that when we were planning this we didn't know what the the verdict was at that time uh the nba and uh mlb i think as well had issued warnings is probably not the right word but like prepared the minnesota teams to like let them know that hey you know make plans in case we have to cancel games in minnesota soon um in case it kicks off uh, I I don't anticipate that happening in that way for such a period of time that we should be worried about this game going ahead. But it is in the background. It is something that could affect the the game. I don't anticipate it too. I don't think anybody really does. But that's part of the the backdrop to this yeah. game. We're playing in Minnesota, where all this went down. So, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of stuff going down still. Like you know, I mean, obviously, a man was still murdered. So um like it's it's clearly still on the forefront of a lot of people's minds especially with the trial and then the verdict being announced even if it was um you know the preferred outcome of the verdict it's still like you know fresh on a on a lot of people's minds there so yeah it's an interesting time to be playing in minnesota for sure this weekend but anyway i don't know if there's anything left to be said about that but yeah, I don't know if there is, but uh, there's, it, there's it's plenty to be said. I don't know if we're yeah. gonna go over. Oh, sorry, it on I don't this know if podcast. there's anything left to be said on this podcast. <laughs> in relation to RSL, hour, yeah. <laughs> in one hour twenty-seven, I have a lot to say about that, but yeah. I'm not going to say it at uh, whatever time it is on an RSL podcast. Yeah. If you want, yes, you know how to reach me if you'd like to know what I think about that. Yeah, and I, I think we're all pretty much on the same LinkedIn page on this is one. The so. answer. Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm talking specifically about LinkedIn. I would like to associate all my opinions with my employer. (laughs) The number of people who do that is it's staggering. Um, Like I, I just see the worst takes there. That's all. LinkedIn is a crazy place. LinkedIn is a oh, it's a wasteland. It's It's, it's the nextdoor.com of. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people kind of go viral on there like too. It's, it's really for sure the goofiest of all oh, the social okay. media platforms to like yeah. try to establish a presence on. All right. Well, uh, on that LinkedIn note, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about with in regards specifically to this game? Yes. I wanted to bring up one thing, and that is Minnesota United has an exciting young goalkeeper. He's oh, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, go. Name's uh something St. Clair, Dancy? Dane. Dane, I think started, started with a D. He's uh he's young, he's pretty good, but he's exactly the kind of the mold that I hope David Ochoa falls into. A young player that makes mistakes, but is a good goalkeeper, and will be a very good goalkeeper in years to come. I really nice. like him. If I'm ever watching a Minnesota United game, just randomly, it's most likely because I want to watch him play. He's fun. He did let in that goal when we played that. Uh, they did not review, so which I'm still bitter about. <laughs> which one are you talking about? The one that Giuseppe Rossi definitely scored, and he caught it like oh. inside the goal, <laughs> yeah. and they didn't give it to us. Yeah, yeah, that one. And they didn't have camera angles to review it in a major league soccer stadium. Yeah. Yep. Well, great, great do. league we've got here. You know how much it costs to install goal line technology in every single stadium. I mean, no. you can at least like look at other cameras, it's, right? Uh, it's it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars per stadium was the estimate that they gave a few Put years a ago. In there, and the league decided instead to do VAR, uh, which was false choice. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. that's kind of where I'm at too. <laughs> um, I I mean, really, like you have lots of camera angles. Composite the video, like you look at those stupid Premier League, like arrows that they draw on the field that are pixel thick the, which, tele- oh, the, the telemetry don't me, yeah don't get me started on on a pixel as the unit of measurement for that because it's like a pixel like is not a measurement of of actual meaningful width because the they're different angles and different and yeah the, it, so, it sounds like we got you started matt yeah sorry <laughs> Well, on that note, if I hit stop inside the next 30 seconds, we can hit under an hour and a half. So, uh, nice. Let's do it. We'll add music. So, we're going to hit over an hour and a half. So, say goodnight, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Good night.